Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Folks, welcome once again back to The Anthony Gordon Show. It would sound cliche, but there's no question that I would say that our next guest is one of my favorite people. Uh, he's a he's someone that I think it would be appropriate for me to start by saying a thank you because certainly one of the most renowned and uh, popular nationally syndicated radio hosts our dear friend, Dennis Prager. Dennis, I'm not sure if you are aware how instrumental you were to the launch of the Anthony Gordon show. Let me. I'm not. I'm not. So I'm going to do the following because we only have uh, seven hours and 20 minutes. Um, I am not going to read your entire bio because that would take the entire time, but I think it's important to put our discussion in context for me to just hit some of the salient points. Uh, it's safe to say Dennis is a, a dear friend, but for those, uh, for those of you uh, who have been living uh, under a rock for the last few years, Dennis began his radio career in about, I think about 1982, uh, nationally syndicated in 1999. He's a prolific writer, a number of books that are bestsellers. He is uh, someone who has, lectured and appeared on, I believe, every continent on the planet. He co-founded PragerU in 2011. And, and I don't say this lightly, uh, I've had the tremendous privilege, I think, of speaking at a number of different events, campuses uh, around the country and, and frankly around the world. I think one of the most um, independent thinkers, and I can also say, and I don't think too many people say this on shows, a person who I think has an enormous heart and just a good person. And I think the term mensch is uh, somewhat universal. So Dennis, there we were a few years ago, both of us were speakers at a, uh, at a Passover program, uh, upscale getaways. Uh, we had a chat. Um, I think we had just completed one of our famous panel discussions uh, the, it was my, myself introducing you and uh, Ben Shapiro. I came back into the audience, sat down with you and Sue, who unquestionably is your favorite wife. And, you know, here's what you said. You said, Anthony, it's very unusual. Uh, you have a sense of humor. You have a sort of a, a spiritual background. Obviously, uh, you have rabbinical ordination, uh, you have an Ivy League background, you're, um, there's a content what you're imparting. Um, you know, a guy like you maybe should consider being on, on a larger platform. And that was the beginning of the journey. Uh, somewhat circuitous, but that was the beginning of the journey, which, which really triggered the show. And I, and I want to thank you sincerely for, for that, because it's been... Uh, I'm very... I'm very proud to have been part of your success 
Dennis, let me tell you why I was excited. The thesis of the show, if you will, is that I believe, as uh, Katie, you do, there are millions of people drinking the Kool-Aid. Uh, there, there's, I think, unfortunately, a message imparted by proverbial pop culture in the secular media, uh, which has caused over the, the years millions of people, I believe, uh, to be living lives, lives of quiet desperation. There are many topics we can talk about today. I want to talk about a topic that I know I speak about a lot. You not only speak about, but you wrote a book in 1998 called Happiness is a Serious Problem. Now, <clears throat> we had a meeting before this, the show and everyone said this is the topic. Because everyone wants to be happy. And I believe uh, that in the last several months, there have been more prescription drugs uh, prescribed than in the than I believe ever in American history. There's been a spiking of uh, suicides, and I think there's an erroneous premise that I want to share with that I want to discuss with you. Uh, people believe that a happy life is a pain-free life. I know you pretty well. I know you've been through pain in your life. I know that you have been through vicissitudes in your life. I know you're an incredibly happy guy. I can tell you that I have had my fair share of curveballs, and I'm a very happy guy. What's what very happy guy? What's the difference between the Gordons and the Pragers of the world and most people? Here's my thesis, and I'll then I will uh, I'm going to give you the podium. The preamble of the Bill of Rights, the the inalienable right of life, liberty, and quote the pursuit of happiness, I think has sent a, 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 it could be a, a disturbing message because I think people think happiness is something you pursue. It's outside of you. It's something that uh, you have to reach out and grasp and that few people uh, are fortunate to stumble over it. But by and large, it's exogenous. It's not part of uh, our, our own responsibility. And I think both you and I believe that happiness is a responsibility. And I think that that is a fundamental different point of departure to most. I've heard a lot of your, your, your material on, on happiness. Um, here's what I think would be incredibly helpful for our, our listeners, because I've got a good sense of the demographic. Why do you think uh, most people are not happy? And B, what what do you think this the the the, the formula or the secret of, of, of happiness really is? Okay, uh, a number of points in what you said, and then directly to your question. First, just for the record, it's it, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness are in the Declaration of Independence, and I just mentioned because I want people yep. to to know where it is. I happen to believe that that is the great American formula. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I do believe in pursuing happiness. I don't know any other way to achieve it. It must be pursued just as uh, moral, uh, moral excellence must be pursued. Uh, baseball uh, excellence must be pursued. I, I don't know what good thing in life doesn't need to be pursued. You don't have to pursue video games. Right. You don't have to pursue sleeping in late every day. 
Those things come naturally. Happiness is, as Lincoln, who suffered more than you or I, and, and, and I'm not minimizing our own pains, but he suffered much more. Sure. And Lincoln said, we are as happy as we decide to be. People, uh, to get to your direct, directly to get to your question why there are so many unhappy people, they have not made the decision to be happy. They have rather allowed life to tell them to be unhappy. People think that if they feel unhappy, that's the end of the issue. Everybody feels unhappy. If you have feelings, you will feel unhappy. Do you allow your feelings to determine uh, your uh, state of happiness? And my, my view is that we have to do everything possible uh, to uh, undo those feelings and at the very least never or almost never act on them. So that uh, I'm a total behaviorist. I care how people act more than how they feel. I care how I act more than how I feel. No matter how you feel, if you, can, if you act more happy, you will be more happy. Yep. Uh, the way, I'll give you a, you'll love this. This is really fascinating. The picture Schindler's List, which yep. I, I, I know you know. Sure. And, right, about this, this. Actually, he was a Nazi, but he saved hundreds of Jews' lives, Schindler. And uh, it, it had a scene in it uh, showing what was happening to Jews where a commandant of a concentration camp used living Jews as targets for, for, for gun practice, rifle practice. The commandant in that uh, film was Rafe Fine, the actor Rafe Fine. And I remember reading an interview with him at the time by sheer chance. I'm not a movie buff, but I read it and it was in the New York Times. And, and it's, hard, it's hard to believe it if it was in the New York Times, but I believe it because it was in quotes. And it, Ray Fine said, uh, I, I could not uh, wait till the movie was over because I was becoming a meaner person. Well, wow. isn't, isn't that astonishing? He's acting as a bad human being in a movie and it's affecting who he is and how he feels. That's how powerful actions are. I used, to, there was only one actor in Hollywood I ever had a relationship with, Charlton Heston. Yep. who played Moses in the Ten, Ten Commandments sure. and was in Ben-Hur and other such films. And I asked him if playing Moses affected him. And he had the opposite issue of Ray Fine. He said, totally. And, and I know people see me as Moses, so I just have to act better. That's and he was, he was a very, very, very honorable human being. So uh, you, uh, you want to be happy, you begin with acting happy. And you must understand, and I'll end with this, a bad mood is identical to bad breath. Why do you brush your teeth every day or use mouthwash to get rid of bad breath, not just for hygiene, to get rid of bad breath? You owe it to others to have good breath. You owe it to others to have a good mood. I'm a... 
Firstly, I, I second that, a big subscriber. So you use the concept, which I think uh, I, I, it resonates with me, that it's a moral obligation that anyone who cares about his significant other, his family, his friends, uh, will, will understand that wallowing in self-pity and playing victim uh, is certainly not going to be productive to the relationship and people don't like hanging around uh, you know people who are mor morosely uh, morbid and and sad and and melancholy look it, unhappy people don't want to be around unhappy <laughs> people that's the joke <laughs> you so should want to be around me but i would not want to be around me it's so selfish that, that it's angering, actually. And, and by the way, I have a proof. Uh, you'll love this. Uh, it, I, I've talked about this for decades. And uh, I've I talk a lot about men and women. I have a male-female hour on my radio show. Right. I, I, I lecture on it. So here's, uh, here is my thesis, and I'm convinced it's correct. The vast majority of marriages are a moody married to a non-moody. The vast majority. Some marriages are two non-moody people. No marriages are two moody people. The moody never marry one of their own. They may be miserable, but they're not stupid. Intuitively, I know you're correct. I know you're correct. So I want to share with you, and I might have even shared with this with you uh, during one of our uh, chats over Passover. I had the tremendous gift of my late mom. She was a phenomenal therapist in South Africa, very prominent. Anyone who you bump into in South Africa in the Jewish community mentioned Hesse Gordon. She was a, literally a household name. So she inculcated into all of the Gordons growing up as a big as a student of Viktor Frankl uh, she's a tremendous that was her thesis uh, that life is meaning uh, and therefore even as mere mortals perhaps we might not understand what's going on but if there's purpose and there's meaning then pain does not equal bad and happiness in fact pain is the price you often pay for happiness so here's something I want to try you tr try emphasize, Dennis. You travel a lot. You speak a lot. I think you've got your finger on the pulse. I also speak uh, quite a bit, and I feel that I think there's some truth in this. The, the reason why I'm concerned that the, the, the equation pain equals bad, that we take issue with that, is because when people think something's bad, they, they have to sort of neutralize it through uh, substance abuse or through drugs or uh, it's something nihilistic. As opposed to the, the concept that we all feel pain, uh, and, and pain is part of the process to exercise certain muscles that otherwise would atrophy, and it, it is part of this journey called life. So here's the question. I, I, I'm blessed to have had that, uh, my late mom, that was obviously left a huge part of my life, and, uh, and I'm just a naturally, uh, do not go into the victim space. Here's the question I'm not sure if you've been asked before, but it's, but it's fascinating to me, knowing you the way I do. Your natural disposition 
is what? Meaning, did you always, were you always an advocate of this belief? Or was it a conscious thing over time? Because, you know, we've seen each other quite a bit. I, I, you just, you know, you have a wonderful outlook on life. And it's either it's a nature, a nurture, or sometimes it's a catalyst. I've asked myself that question a lot. I was not a happy uh, young child. I was not happy till 14. And I've been happy since 14. Wow. It's, it's, it's quite dramatic. Uh, I mean, it, it's a long story and I don't want to bore people, but in a nutshell, I, I, I could not uh, deal with the pressure in my home to perform as they wanted me to, especially in school for which I had little interest. Sure. And uh, I, uh, my older brother, whom they adored because he, del he delivered everything they wanted. He was valedictorian, president of the class. I was president of my class too, but he was valedictorian, captain of the basketball team, went to Columbia University, undergraduate Harvard Medical School afterwards. So he, he had their ear. And he told them, you got to leave Dennis alone or uh, he's going to leave the house. I was. I was going to run away. Well, wow. I'm very strong willed. And uh, to their great credit, uh, they were told that by the school psychologist as well. Just let Dennis be Dennis. And it was very hard for them. And so they this is dramatic. One night they said to me, all right, we are we are going to completely hands off not raise you. You will, you will in effect live in our home. Wow. We will feed you and clothe you, but we will not raise you. So much so that you, we will never ask if you have homework. You can even forge our names on your report card. You do not have to show us your report card. Wow. You can do whatever you want. And I was happy from that night until today, so much so I asked them, and it's really to their credit, it's very hard for parents to do this. And uh, I said to them uh, about a half year later, I said, you know, I, I'd like to go into Manhattan. I, we lived in Brooklyn. I'd like to go into Manhattan very often. So I won't, I would like not to eat at home on weeknights. On the Sabbath, of course I'll be home. So could you give me money to eat dinner out from uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. They said, fine. So I didn't even eat dinner at home. I went to Manhattan, where, by the way, just to give you an example of how I, I marched to a different drummer, which is no parent can understand a child that marches to a different drummer. No. I completely forgive them. And, and, and I laud them for, for coming over uh, uh, to, to where they did by the, when I was 14. But to give you an idea, what would I do in Manhattan? Well, for example, I would go to the New York Philharmonic Library. I would look, I would read uh, symphonic scores while listening to the, uh, the symphony. And I taught myself to conduct. And I taught it so well, I, I, have n I now conduct orchestras. I have my whole life. Uh, I conducted uh, uh, the Santa Monica Symphony Orchestra and the Haydn Symphony at the at the uh, um, the Walt Disney Concert Hall, one of the most prestigious halls sure. in the world, and it, and it was sold out. Uh, I, I'm so I learned to do that instead of doing homework. 
This is self-taught. Self-taught. Totally. I'm a self-taught. Uh, it's a, I mm-hmm. am. That's right. So back to happiness. So all, one other thing happened when I was 14. I was on the subway. I'll never forget going back to Brooklyn at night from Manhattan. And I was in a bad mood. And I was seated like this with my arms on the, on the seat, so to speak, on the, you know, the, on the wall seat in the New York subway. And I remember I said to myself, Dennis, being unhappy is the easy way out. And I hated taking the easy way out in anything. And I said, I will not take the easy way out. I will be happy. I will not allow myself to be unhappy between my parents' decision to give me total freedom and my own decision to be happy. That is how it happened. And that's at, the, at, 14, at 14 years of age. At 14 years of age. I am truly, I'm, I'm, I, am, I am abnormal. I, I acknowledge that. Uh, everything I am... I already was as a teenager. I wrote in my diary, and I still have the diary, the physical book. I wrote at 17, I know what I want to do with my life, influence people to the good. That is unbelievable. Meaning that you, so I want to share something with our listeners and I want to just pivot. The 10th test of Abraham, the first Jew, was the binding of Isaac. You're a very prolific uh, writer and commentator uh, on the Bible, on the Torah. There's a, there's a, a part of the Bible that says, after, after succeeding in the 10th and final test, a heavenly voice came out and said, Abraham, Abraham, why twice? Because the Abraham, so to speak, of the, the, the Abraham, Abraham's potential had been actualized. There's the Dennis Prager, and then there's the Dennis Prager, if he flexed all his muscle, muscles and actualized his potential, that parody is the, is the ultimate. It's an unbelievable thing, Dennis, that you're saying, is that it seems at a very young age, you had an intuitive sense of what your life mission was and you didn't look back. My son having children uh, is a a very important thing uh, for uh, many, many reasons, obviously. But one of them is it's very humbling to have children. It's very, I don't know how anyone Sure. I don't know how anybody married, and especially married with children, can be particularly arrogant. <laughs> your wife humbles you, and your children humble you. Yeah, very, very <laughs> so, true. So you know, <laughs> you're pretty much stuck. So my older son, when he was in his early 20s, made me aware of this. He said, Dad, you don't realize how lucky you are. You knew at 17 what you wanted to do with your life. That's not normal. It's a tremendous I'm still looking. And he was right. And, and, and I, I realized 
he was right. The word that got to me was lucky because he was right. I was lucky. I think that I think you are lucky, but I think that there's, um, I think it's a God given talent, and I think that there's a sincere. Well, that's luck. Okay, that's yeah, lucky. So you touched on something I think we both share, Dennis. I think we both want to touch the world. I think we both want to leave the world a better place for having sojourn in it. If money was not an issue, if, uh, if someone gave you billions of dollars, how would that change what you're doing now and the legacy that you hope to leave? There is not a thing that I would change. I am blessed in this way too. I have been able to do exactly what I want and not worry about money because I was paid to do exactly what I want. I want to talk and write for as many people as possible. If I got a billion dollars, I would give it to PragerU so that it, that it could touch billions more. We have over a billion views a year. Unbelievable. It is unbelievable. And more unbelievable, 60% of them are under 35 years of age. So, uh, Again, all I want to do, I, I, that's why I didn't run for office. I have no interest in power, none. I don't want any power over any other person, and I don't want any other person to have power over me. Yeah, I, I, I just want to influence. I, I truly believe I have good ideas, good in the sense of intelligent and good in the sense of moral. So both of us, I think, and, 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 and I've seen and heard you many times, espouse a Judaic Christian view uh, of society, of life, of morality. I, I'm concerned about what's happening in this country from just from moral degradation, from the, the family unit. Um, there's clearly an inverse correlation between the traditional family unit and unhappiness, depression, uh, people being, uh, be, being confused. Two questions. It amazes me, Dennis, and I know this because I know the folks at PragerU as well, that notwithstanding the fact that you're 55 years old, you managed to resonate with a demographic which is, which is very young. It's the millennial generation kind of, uh, you know, which is much younger than your listeners on the radio. What do you think it is that's resonating? There's something that's going on here, Dennis, because these are the same folks that are, watch, that are doing Twitter and Schmitter and Litter and, uh, and you know, I, I find that a, a wonderful, it's a very intelligent question, and I, I've grappled with that a lot. Just an, uh, 10 minutes before I, I came on with you, the young woman who screens my radio show uh, on Fridays came in with the mail right after the show. and You got, my, you got she, my check in the mail, right? Yes, exactly. Okay. Two checks, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> and uh, she's about 24, an attractive, bright young woman. And she, she says to me, I just want you to know your fireside chat keeps me sane. And I, and I said to her, I'm really, I'm delighted to hear that said so many other, you know, my friends feel the same way. And I know that the, that again, over 60% of the people who watch my fireside chat at PragerU, that 
they're young. So I, 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 I have two things to say. Number one, the notion that the young need to hear from young people is absurd. I've been lecturing since I'm 20, since I was 21. My entire majority life, that is life after the age of 21, has been a public life. I am heard much better today by people than even then. And it's because I'm older, not despite the fact that I'm older. Young people crave older people to give them wisdom. They crave it. It's almost an instinct. So this idiocy of let's give them, you know, they have to hear from kids. Believe me, we have young people at PragerU who are awesome and we love using them. But the notion that you're disqualified in young people's eyes after a certain age is absurd. Look at Bernie Sanders followers. They're mostly young and, and he's older than me. So that's number one. Number two, uh, I think they resonate to the fact I'm very real. Yep. You, 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 you don't agree with me. You don't agree with me. You hate me. You hate me. You love me. You love me. But I, I am, I'm, I'm, I am the real deal. Somebody called my show and said, you know what you are? I said, what? Transparent. And that person, this is very recent, it was in the last year. And that person opened my eyes. That's what I am. I'm transparent. I'm transparent to my wife. I'm transparent to you. Yep. I'm transparent to anybody who watches me or who hears me. This is it. This is, this is it. So and yeah, go on. I want to share and I want to be respectful of your time as well, because this is, uh, so firstly, I want to tell you the following. Before we launched the Anthony Gordon show, we had focus groups. We spoke to uh, one of the top consultants. Here's what he said, Dennis, and that's why you're dead right. Anthony, the reason that you have been successful on college campuses or speaking a lot of events with younger people is that people in their 20s, whatever, see you maybe 25, 30 years older than them, that has that has had life experience, that has some wisdom. And the second thing is, and this is where you and I definitely have another thing in common, is that people want authentic, and you prepare to stand up and share failures and vulnerability. I remember sitting at the Upscale ga ga Gateways Passover program, I was standing at the back as always being mobbed by the media. And you stood up and you spoke about the pain after a divorce. And I remember watching in my peripheral vision, reading some woman's lips and saying, she was saying, that's amazing. This is a real, genuine person. That's not, this is more substance than form. And in a world which is there's so much platitudes and plasticity, I think people want real, people want authentic. There is a way to uh, do that, which uh, I'd like to offer to your viewers. Please. The moment you say anything, one sentence, in order to be liked, you are no longer authentic. You must answer to, if you believe in God, as I do, I, I have to answer to God. No, I don't have to answer to any mortal. I don't care what the New York Times says about me. 
I don't care what the audience says about me. This is what I have to say. And I, I hope you receive it well, but I will never say it to you so as to be liked. The crisis of parenthood of the last 50 years is parents want their children to like them. That Very is welcome. a catastrophe. It's, it's, not a, it's not a tragedy. It's a catastrophe. Your children must respect you. They don't have to like you. Certainly don't have to like you when they're 15. If they do, it's a bonus. But never do anything so that they like you. Do everything so that you are a good parent. That's not the same thing as being liked. So again, just to be respectful of time, what I'd like you to do for our listeners and viewers is the following. I'd like you to give the PragerU URL because I think there is a dearth of real content uh, where both you and I went to Ivy League schools. I don't think either of us learned wisdom there. I certainly didn't learn any wisdom at Harvard. That, that's, a, that, that's an understatement. I so, learned anti-wisdom at college. Yeah, it's clear. So I, I've seen a lot of the, the videos. There's, I don't think there's an, a platform that, that has more content that people can I think that's true. PragerU.com. It's very simple. My name would be you at the end. Or Prager University. Either way. The U stands for university. PragerU or PragerUniversity.com. We have about 425 five-minute videos, a, a weekly fireside chat by me. By the way, the 425 videos are not by me. I give yeah. maybe one, one out of 10. Nine out of 10 are given by other people. Uh, we have the Candace Owens show, this phenomenal young black woman yeah. who is, uh, who is uh, courageous. She doesn't say a thing to be liked. She's terrific. She's, she is terrific. Will Witt is terrific. We have... Oh, look, I truly do believe this. People, as is a good example of saying something I know people will want to laugh at, some people, and they do on the internet. But if your child went to Prager University for four years, rather than Columbia or Yale, let alone any other place, unless they had to learn STEM, science, technology, engineering, or math, they would do much better as a human and as a thinker if they went to PragerU, which is free, by the way. So I'm not even asking for funds. So I will, I will concur as a, as a graduate of an Ivy League school myself, I would say unquestionably uh, that there's more content, more wisdom, more insight. And you're right, you're very genuine. You're not trying to placate a certain constituency. As we wrap up, only because we, we're running out of time here, if you could give, if you could give one or two pearls of wisdom, specifically knowing that our demographic listeners are the twenty to thirty-five, forty, so that they can take one little step in the right direction towards living a happier life, what would that be? To know that your biggest struggle in life is not with America or your parents, but uh, with you. Your biggest struggle in life is with your own nature. That is the biggest single step a human can take towards happiness and towards goodness. The sickness of our time is people walking around seeking 
to blame outsiders for their sadness or misery or failure. Blacks who blame racism are doing that. Jews who blame anti-Semitism mm -hmm. are doing that. Hispanics who blame xenophobia are doing that. The biggest problem in Dennis Prager's life is Dennis Prager. And that is true for everyone who is not living in a police state. So that's, that's it. And that, by the way, is what I've said all of my life, the biggest difference between a religious education and a secular education. In a secular education, you learn that your biggest problem is America or society. In religious education, you learn that your biggest problem is you. Beautifully put. I'm gonna, I'll try and summarize Dennis Prager's uh, terrific wisdom in two, uh, two things that I say to, to uh, audiences often that people think that happiness is in the, in, in the state in the north or the state in the east and the state. The truth is happiness is in the state of mind. And I think what we've discussed, my friends, today is that if you're not happy and you know it, you still clap your hands. Dennis, always a pleasure. You're a, deep, a good man. And you we'll obviously too. continue on the journey together. This is Anthony Gordon. Thank you for listening. Thank you. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.